You may be seated. Morning. We are continuing our study in the book of Philippians this morning. And if you have your Bibles with you, we'll be in chapter 4, verses 8, 9. If you do not have Bibles, don't worry. The words will be on the screen. So let's begin with our text. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with There are two commands here, to think and to practice. Rene Descartes is credited with the statement, I think, therefore I am. And God has created man as a thinking creature with the capacity to think. Thinking is central to the human existence, and God's Word has a lot to say about thinking. Now, in Researching for this, I looked it up. Scientists differ on how to define what a thought is and how many we have. But nonetheless, we have, scientists say, between 6,000 and 60,000 or more thoughts per day. Our minds are busy. There's a lot going on. Uh, Moreover, the world continues to vie for our thoughtful attention through ads. And it is reported in the most recent surveys that we have that we are exposed to upwards of 5,000 ads a day. You don't have to remember all these numbers, but they are eye-opening and awakening. These are attempts to influence, control, or persuade our thoughts regarding various people or products, services. I think many of you, like me, look forward to next Wednesday when there will be no more political ads, at least for a season. That is, regardless of who, next Wednesday, (laughs) there will be no more political ads for a season. And uh, so, I just honestly pressed something on my iPad here that uh, took me somewhere I did not want to be. And for your sake, I'm going to get back online, back to where I need to be. So, but these ads are vying for our attention. They want to produce action in us. Technology, people. Technology. There we go. That's not Praise the Lord. Let's think on good things this morning. Lying to me. Brent warned me about using that. That use that other app. This is why I print things. Praise the Lord. No. All right, 
So as the world vies for our attentions, there is this intrinsic connection between our thoughts and our actions. And we should know that when our thoughts get out of control, they can lead to things like anxiety. We looked at anxiety last week. What? I figured the problem out. Went on. I went on airplane mode in order to... uh, Praise the Lord. I, I, I went on airplane mode just to not be disturbed by notifications, things that distract us. And as a result, when uh, I came, when I closed something out, we're back. But we talked about anxiety last week. And Brent shared how we, we are anxious from the scripture. Then we pray. And after we pray, we get peace. And that's the cycle. This is the diagnosis because of our sin, anxiety, the prescription. What we need to do in response to that symptom is to pray. But then what happens when we get anxious again? Well, we pray again and the cycle continues. Brent shared last week that a source of anxiety is, I think he said, when you're preaching and technology doesn't work, but that wasn't what he said. He said, kids, kids are a primary source of anxiety. And although his kids are not allowed to age past seven, uh, my kids, well, tomorrow is my youngest, 13th birthday. So while that is a significant milestone for her, uh, she was here for the first service. Don't look for her this morning helping a family. But uh, this also means that as of tomorrow, Rachel and I will have four teenagers living at home under one roof. And if, if that is not a certainty for anxiety, I digress. So how do we escape this cycle of anxiety? Well, I would hypothesize that the reason that we ended up anxious in the first place because we were not thinking rightly or we were not thinking about the right things. And so I want us to move this morning from the diagnosis and the prescription to the prophylactic. I think I lost a few of you there. Uh, As I was sharing this illustration with some others earlier this week, they said if you're going to use the word prophylactic, you must define it. So, a prophylactic is, by the Oxford English Dictionary, a medicine or course of action used to prevent disease. My wife has been to Uganda on several occasions, and in each case, before she goes, she takes a regimen of prophylactics that are intended to prevent her from getting malaria. So far, that has worked. As We enter the cold and flu season, not that we haven't already been in the COVID-19 season for the year. Uh, You may get a flu vaccine as a prophylactic, a preventative to getting the flu. You may take vitamin C or zinc or other things to help boost your immune system. At our home, we have many prophylactics 
from vitamins and minerals to probiotics and green drinks. Now we have green pills if you can't handle the green drink. There's elderberry and echinacea, just to name a few. These are not intended to treat symptoms. You get sick, you'll have a different course of action, but these are to help boost your immune system and prevent the disease from coming in the first place. They're meant to promote health. If you are at the supermarket, the Kroger, the Kroger's, you're at the Kroger's and you are looking for these types of things, you might find them in a section called wellness. There's another word used for this. And so I want to present to us this morning, as we turn back to our text, that right thinking is God's wellness plan. So let's look again at verse 8. It begins with the word finally. Now I want to pause here because sometimes we see finally, we think, oh, I'm going to wrap it up. That's not his intention. He used the same word at the beginning of chapter 3, and that was only halfway through the book. But he's saying here is the final thought and a progression of thoughts. Beginning in verse 4, he commanded us to rejoice. It is a command. We are commanded to be happy, to rejoice. He says to be reasonable in verse 5. Verse 6, he commands us do not be anxious. And finally, where he's going, verse 8 and 9, think and practice. So finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Like any good wellness plan, we need to focus on our diet. Last, one point in time last year, was experiencing a little bit higher blood pressure than normal. Uh, perhaps it was two teenagers and two almost teenagers at home. But uh, so I went to my general practitioner and reviewed some things. And he said, you know, you, we can give you some medicine to treat the symptoms. But really, you should probably change your diet. And so if we want to a more holistic wellness plan, we need to Evaluate our diet. And, and Jesus reminds us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And there's a lot of scripture that connects physical world food to spiritual world food. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the fountain of living water. Peter suggests that we need to be like newborn infants that long for the pure spiritual milk, that it may grow into salvation. Then Paul challenged the Corinthians to move on from milk to solid food. So what are you feeding your heart and your mind? I'm going to talk to you about your belly this morning, but whatever there you want to. There's a lot of candy coming tonight. But what are you feeding your heart in your mind. Some more statistics for you this morning. According to Nielsen's corporation, the, the TV rating group, adults average over four hours of television a day. Some of you set that bar higher for us. Some of you 
bring that balance down. But average, about four hours of television a day. Additionally, other studies tell us that Americans spend over two hours a day on social media. Time slips away from you sometimes. I don't know. I have fallen into a, uh, a YouTube vortex before. You've done that? Like watching this, I'm like, oh, that video looks good. That. Oh, check this video out. And time slips away. So, uh, admittedly, some of that, some of that um, social media and television watching happens at the same time. Been talking to some friends that they they can't they feel incapable of watching something without they're also having their device on. And so, but in contrast to these, another study from the past decade showed that fewer than twenty percent of church goers. That's you, you, whatever camera we're on here. Fewer than 20% of churchgoers read their Bible every day. Now, I'm not going to miss my Facebook updates. I might miss out. God has. So what you feed your heart and mind will drastically affect your thoughts, which then affect your behavior. And we cannot continue to believe that we can live on a steady diet from secular sources, anemic and spiritual things, and still grow up into Christ and into a stronger spiritual life. Now, we could be legalistic about this and set some, oh, you shouldn't spend more than one hour on this or two hours on that, but that's not going to be helpful because you could remove all the screens from your home. You could Avoid all R-rated movies. You can delete all of the social media apps and accounts and your devices. And then you could still not grow spiritually. So what do we do with, as we are left with Paul's command to think on these things? I think he is giving us some criteria to evaluate our inputs. That's our challenge today. Evaluate your input. Are you feeding your mind things that are true or false news? Not my truth, but things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are just or righteous, things that are pure, things that are clean and and holy, things that are lovely or pleasing and acceptable. You're feeding your mind things that are commendable, admirable, good reputation. Things that are excellent, virtuous. Things that are worthy of praise. Do you, are you more prone to entertain worry thoughts or worthy thoughts? I don't think it's a stretch here for us to also understand that in giving us what to think on, trying to Share with us what we should not think about, that is, things that are dishonorable, unrighteous, unjust, impure or dirty, things that are ugly, hideous, reprehensible, awful, worrisome. Consider this as we head into a week of four hours of TV each night and 
scary movies and horror flicks coming on. Evaluate your inputs. You know, if you catch up on Shark Week before you head off on a beach vacation, I doubt you'll be spending a lot of time in the water. Our inputs affect our thinking, affect our mind, then affect our behavior. And that's the way it should be. That is the right progression. What you feed your mind should affect your behavior. Now, evaluate the inputs of what feed your mind. You may say, but I can't always control my thoughts. And that's true. There is some truth. We cannot always control what pops into our minds. Proverbs tells us to guard our hearts. By heart, he's meaning all of you. The, the mind as well is included in that. So the question arises, what do you do with that uninvited thought that slips past the guard, comes in? Do you wrestle against it or do you let it sit and soak, saturate? I find Paul's advice helpful when he writes to the Corinthians and he says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when those things slip in and get past our guard, we take them captive. We make them prisoner. And then we put them in a cell in a dark corner. And then we put them to death. So it's a fight against those things that slip in. They will happen. We'll have those thoughts. But then what you do with them, do you mull them over? Do you dwell on them? The right thinking is God's wellness plan. So evaluate your input. As we continue looking at the text this morning, we learn that right thinking is hard work. Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason so few engage in it. Think for yourselves, people. Think for yourselves. Put your thinking cap on. The word Paul uses in this command to think on these things comes from the same root of the word where we, where we get our word logic. Think of logic, not think of something easy. Other translators have rendered this word as dwell or to meditate. But in any case, there's no passivity with it. Meditation has become more popular in our culture today, especially in, sometimes really in business cultures and in Silicon Valley. I mean, they've built apps and podcasts and all types of things centered around meditation. And when they are talking about meditation and promoting it, they really think of two different types, usually. Transcendental and mindfulness. Transcendental, you repeat a mantra over and over again. Mindfulness is about being in the present moment, anything that's not part of this present moment to push out and push away, to let go. In both cases, it's about disengaging the mind, it's about emptying the mind, it's about relaxing the mind. And I'm not here to give you advice on the virtues or not of these types of meditation, but I want to bring clear attention that those types of medication are not what Paul 
is talking about when he says to think on these things. Our meditation involves fully engaging the mind. This thinking and meditation that we are challenged with is not passive. Once we've evaluated that content that we let come into our minds, we begin to think on it, begin to dwell on it. We meditate on it. We mull it over. We ruminate. I think that word ruminate is a fascinating word. It comes from the concept of a cow chewing its cud. Now, I don't know how many of you grew up around cows doing some 4-H or have seen them. You may have heard, I learned this week in, in studying this, that there actually is debate of whether cows have four stomachs or have one stomach with four chambers, four different compartments. But nonetheless, when a cow eats its food, it only chews it enough to swallow it, to get it down. Then it goes down into stomach number one and two and begins the digestion process. And then later, cow regurgitate. You just throw up a little bit in your mouth there. Brings that back up and chews it thoroughly. Of course, another final swallow again to the third and fourth stomachs for final digestion. But the con- and that's where we're to ruminate, to chew. This is where we get when we talk about what God has called us to do is to hide those things, bring those things, evaluated inputs into our hearts and minds, and then to bring them up and actively engage with them and chew them again to get all of the vital nutrients for the wellness of our souls. The book of Joshua talks about meditation. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says this, this book of the law, that is the Bible up until that point in time, the scriptures that they had, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day, night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. I believe this is the only place in our modern English translations that we see the word success. And the secret to this success begins meditation in God's word. Right thinking is hard work. I challenge you to meditate on God's word. Finally, and in this case, I am trying to wrap up as well as present a final thought. Right thinking leads to right living. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace be with you. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, undoubtedly those things they've learned, received, heard, and seen are true and honorable and just and pure and commendable and lovely and excellent and worthy of praise. He says, practice these things. Do these things. Take a 
quick sidetrack tangent back to chapter 2, where Paul again is talking about the mind, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 2. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We have a theological word for this concept of Christ becoming flesh and blood. We call it the incarnation. John chapter 1 says that the word became flesh, dwelt among us. So, how I want to connect these two. Paul says, the things that you've heard and seen and learned, do them with this concept of Christ becoming flesh. See, in our living out the gospel, we take those abstract, evaluated, meditated thoughts from our minds and we put them to flesh. We make them come alive with our bodies. We put them into action. We practice them, and in so doing, we incarnate the gospel. So we evaluate our inputs, we meditate on God's word, and we incarnate the gospel. I recently heard an old poem. It goes like this. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the things that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Do men read his truth and his love in your life, or has yours been too full of malice strife? Does your life speak of evil, or does it ring true? Say, what is the gospel according to you? Right thinking leads to right living incarnate the gospel, then what? In the verses before, when Paul commands us not to worry, but instead pray, when we do, we are promised the incomprehensible peace of God. But as Paul continues with us down this wellness plan, commanding us to evaluate those inputs, put the worthy ones into practice to incarnate bring those to life in our lives. We aren't promised the peace of God. Rather, we are promised the God of peace. We don't just get God's benefit. We get God living within us, source of our ongoing. you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for your word this morning. Hope that it brings we ask that the presence and power of your Holy Spirit would be in us today to help guard our hearts and our minds, to empower us to will and to work for your good pleasure, so that our manner of life can be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that in all things you may receive.